coming up on the Front Page Football Podcast. We are talking everything Unite Round, how we found it, what improvements we'd make, the funny moments as well, because there were some. Also, we analysed Adelaide United's big win against Sydney FC, Perth Glory and Western United, their struggles at the moment, delved a little bit deeper into that, and some Socceroos chat as well, a bit of a review of the uh, win against India ahead of the clash against Syria tomorrow night, spoke about some, some things we're keeping an eye on, I guess, around the Socceroos this tournament, so do not go anywhere. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. Yes, it's me, Christian. I'm back. I'm hosting again. It's great. Everything is great in the world um, because because I'm back. Um, and and Cody's out. It's fantastic. Um, so so uh, yeah. And I'm joined by Antonis Pigonis and Jake Holub. And I don't think any of you boys can test that that statement at all. I don't think uh, from what I from what I understand. Um, you know, I'm I'm clearly the better host. So. Uh, Unless there's any kind of dispute uh, of that, I also boycotted the podcast in your absence as well. So it's also good to be back. Yeah, wait, yeah, true, podcast. true. I, I completely forgot about that. Antonis Anton- was in Vietnam, I was in America, um, and Jake, you're in Melbourne. So um, yes, and, yeah. and 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 I can attest, uh, you know, Chairman Don, you are the best podcast host of all time, and I will never question your authority. No, I'm not the best podcast host of all time. Uh, that's, that's, so yeah, that's, if, you're, if you're still listening after this intro, looking forward to talking some football. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, funny enough, we're actually not going to really talk about football itself to begin with because we're going to talk about kind of off-field stuff uh, because obviously this weekend was Unite Round uh, in the A-League and all three of us uh, travelled for Unite Round. Um, and yeah, we're going to kind of, talk a little bit about our experience at United Round. Um, I'm sure everyone wants to know about what we thought, uh, what can be done better. A lot of discourse, of course, over the weekend, mainly about people talking about their experience, things they enjoyed, things they didn't uh, in the in the kind of A-League sphere. Um, but yeah, to start off with, I guess, um, first of all, just we are going to get to the football, but actually like really low-key, crazy round. Uh, we had like two seven-goal thrillers and... Yeah, we had we had Hiroshi Ibasuki scoring a hat trick. Uh, you know, just just some crazy stuff. With all due respect to Hiroshi Ibasuki, based on based on his his form this season, that is that is crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, we had you know Ben Khan getting his first win in dramatic fashion. So yeah, uh, the Mariners late equalizer. So there was some great stuff on the pitch, which we will get to soon. Um, but in terms of United rounds, so I'll start, I guess. I guess what was clear with this was this was something which was kind of very, not last minute, but there was not, the time wasn't there, I guess, to to make this what what it, maybe what everyone was hyping it up to be and maybe what everyone was expecting a little bit um, because the reality was this was something which was brought in as a, you know, an alternative to, to everything you know, we hated uh, um, with the with the grand finals decision, and um, 
you know, it was an extra round which was put in in probably a time of the year which, you know, on reflection, although the A-League kind of prides itself on its summer of football uh, every year with all the games happening, you know, with a lot of games coming in that summer of football and it's and it's a little bit of, you know, uh, that kind of game every every kind of... We have those Thursday games and, and in that lead up to Christmas, we have a lot of games coming up there. I think the reality this time was there wasn't enough time to kind of let everyone plan and, and kind of, you know, you've got that period where a lot of families are going on holidays and probably already booked their holidays kind of six months ago or longer when, when United Round wasn't even introduced yet. So, you know, logistical challenges with that. Um, you know, there were some other benefits, I think, with United Round. I think a lot of football people were able to kind of get together in, in one location and, you know, talk about their clubs and and talk about their, I guess, their stories as football fans, which is something, you know, given the geographical challenges of, of being in Australia isn't always possible, of course. Um, but what I would say, and Antonis, I was saying this to you yesterday, was I think United Round has to be something where, yes, it's got to be for, you know, people like us and, and and the real football fans and the rusted on A-League fans that are out there. But it's got to be a something which grabs the people that are kind of on the fringes as well. Um, or or who knows, even converts someone to getting interested in the A-League. That's, that's, it's got to, in my opinion, become that sort of draw card if you're going to make it this kind of big weekend. Um, and I don't think we can honestly say coming out of this that, that it really had that sort of effect. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, we can't really we can't really measure that, um, but yeah, this this was something which I think it just seemed a lot of people were building this up a little bit too much without thinking about the fact that it was something which which was kind of introduced, you know, uh, without maybe the time required to to get it to what it what it really could be and what and what maybe everyone hoped it would be um because i mean even yesterday in the at combank uh, recording this on monday night uh this podcast and just you had at times i think you mentioned this 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 idea of kind of fatigue and almost like by the time that third day came around to the games everyone was kind of like it, it didn't feel well not everyone just just how i felt it didn't feel like this had this kind of unite round or anymore it just kind of felt like this is a regular a-league game being played at combank stadium between you know perth and wellington or or alien stadium between brisbane and newcastle so yeah i think you know concept i don't think any of us here are saying that let's get rid of the concept i think what we're saying is there are things which need to be improved with the concept and hopefully with more time to plan, we will see that uh, next season. But uh, Antonis, I know you got a lot of thoughts on this, so so I'll throw to you. What uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, look to begin with, it's a positive. It's a net positive just because it wasn't a grand final deal. Okay, let's not let's not beat around the bush. You Shocking. Know? First so, first line and Antonis. It's the reality. It's the reality of it. Yeah. And I don't care how you feel about the concept. It beats what we had before. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. That's number one. And yeah, the side effect of that is we found out about this on just before the season started. So you have to you have to make this happened in a very short amount of time. And that was obviously evident. And I'm sure the APL could admit it too, that it's something that they really had to come up with in the last minute. And obviously to host two whole competitions, men's and women's, you have to have stadiums available. So you need, you can't just pick any random weekend and do it. So 
this weekend we had Allianz come back like hard all to ourselves. Okay, with a couple of months to go, that's not the easiest thing to do. With a whole year to go, now we're talking. So, okay, this you mean you talk about winning the hearts of people on the fringes or the outsides, and that's great. But before you work on the extracurricular stuff, you need to make sure your backyard is clean. And that's meaning your own people, your own rustle on people are on board, yeah. are happy with how things are going. I think this is what this year was for. Because, yeah, you hear a lot of noise from the outside. Oh, crowd this, crowd that. But from the people I know that traveled, it feels like the majority really enjoyed it for what it was. And I do agree. There wasn't much to make it feel like a unite round. There wasn't much in the community aspect that came from the APR. A lot of it was community-driven by the supporters. So that was great to see that people wanted to make this weekend a unite round weekend. But moving into next year, it's something the APR has to do. And we'll talk a bit more about how it should look next year because you know I've got a couple of thoughts. Yeah, well, let, no, let's that. get into that because yeah. you've mentioned oh, – yeah. You mentioned to me about round one yeah. being an so, idea for your night round, yeah. Yeah, so my idea is have a round one. You know, the weather hasn't gone to something extreme yet. If I'm not wrong, it's around the time of the school holidays. And it's something where you can unite your marketing campaigns, I guess, the campaign to market the season with your night round. And we've got the longest preseason in the world. You know, people are hungry to watch the football team. I know I am while the season, while waiting for the season to come, I'm sure many people feel like that. Why not travel? And if you're going to travel, then the APL can actually make a weekend of it, a proper weekend of it. And some ideas that I've brought up and others have brought up, stuff like make your supporters five aside, seven aside, something like that. It doesn't even have to be football. It can be other things as well. Do something else along the lines of, you know, river cruises. A few years ago when I went to Sydney for the Arsenal tour, we had a boat cruise with the... Um, um, FA Cup, Arsenal had won. We had Ray Parler on there talking to fans. Why can't we do that with the with the Unite round? There are so many concepts that you can drive this around. And also, one thing that we were lacking with this Unite round, obviously the scheduling wasn't um, ideal for me, especially on the first night, kicking off at 5.30 Friday night, peak hour traffic with two teams that don't have the biggest fan bases. That was obviously a concern. And the second concern for me was the consecutive kickoffs on Sunday, the doubleheaders. I do feel like splitting the men's and the women's should be kept because the fan bases get around it. And a lot of people don't want to miss either women's game or either men's game. They want to watch both. And you're being put between a rock and a hard place. And also... Playing a Sunday game in Parramatta between the side from Perth and the side from Wellington isn't really the biggest draw card. For me, next year, I would have a standalone, I guess, draw card fixture. And I think I've spoken to a couple of people about this. For me, the big blue will be perfect for that. You put a big blue, everyone get to the big blue. You know, mm. it's something that doesn't... I think a Sydney Derby as well. Do yeah, that. no, I wouldn't do it. I do, wouldn't do a derby for me for a weekend like that, to be honest with you, because I'd like to keep the normal amounts. We're not overdoing it with that. I feel, and Sydney derby, you're going to get a sellout crowd, you know, regardless. The Big Blue used to be this big derby. It still is big. Not quite, It doesn't always sell out, though. It doesn't go close to selling out when we're talking about attendances. But imagine you have the whole competition, all the fans in Sydney for a Big Blue. Absolutely, you get around a Big Blue. 
everyone's going to get around the big flu and everyone's going to go to the side of the stadium they hate the least and support that side against the other side, as yeah, we <laughs> saw on Saturday, which was one of my favorite moments of Unite Round, personally. A couple of things. First of all, this uh, this boat tour idea that you talk about, are we only talking about guys who have had like success in Oz football or can we just get like Marcus Babbel back and just get him on a boat? Wait, <laughs> if, if you want to get Dexter Rosales and do a DJ set, I'm all for it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's have some fun, you know? It, it could be like, it could be just one thing with anyone that's interested or like, a couple of things and grouping clubs together and like three, four clubs and three, four legends on the boat. You know, you can have so much fun with it. You can do different, it doesn't have to be a boat to have brought it up. I spoke about, we had a live site for the Socceroos this time around because we had a game. Next year, we won't have a game. Give us like a replay of the Denmark game. Give us a replay of the Uruguay game. You know, people get around and get a talking panel there of players that played. There's so much you can do. It's almost like you're spoiled with all Put together the a two-hour <laughs> film of all the peak A-League moments in the history of the league. Hey, you can have some fun with it. But again, it's it's something, again, we talk about peak A-League. If you did something like this where I'm from in Greece, you'd get people killing each other. You can't do it then. Yeah. But it's something we can do. People that's, that's, enjoy that's a, it. That's a, harsh, that's a harsh assessment of your, of, of oh, your uh, it's previous country. It's an assessment and it's happened, but let's move on. It's yeah. something here people... It's such a small circle here that we all get around each other. Everyone kind of knows people. You want to catch up with your friends. I caught up with friends that are victory supporters, Wellington supporters. It's it's great. It's what it's about. You know, you can kind of for a week and make a weekend of it and just spend it with people who enjoy the same things and suffer from the same things, you know, and just enjoy the football. And I think there's a bit in this Next year, though, I just want to stress how massive next year is because next year you are not just selling it to the fans, you're selling it all to potential bidders, be it the New South Wales government again, be it the Victorian government, the South Australian, blah, blah, blah government. Because after this, the contract is over. If this is to continue, which I think can, you need to sell it and it needs to be a success next year. So looking forward to how, what there is to come from that. But yeah, we've got obviously an A-League season before that happens. <laughs> Should we just like rule out the Queensland government from ever bidding for for for, for something like an eye round ever? No, give us Perry Park and we'll come. Yeah, it's a it's a trade kind of or like yeah, you scratch you scratch our back, you know, we'll scratch yours sort of thing. Anyway, uh, Jake, what about you? What did uh, how did you find Unite Round? Look, I always was going to go into it like. Okay, this is the first time this has ever happened. You know, it's it's going to be teething issues. There's going to be yeah. This is ultimately just like we've never really seen anything like this in you know football in general. Obviously, we've seen this in other Australian codes, but yeah, it was ultimately going to be yeah an adjusting period. And look, I, I thought relatively speaking, it went pretty well. Like you know, there's some clear issues you can sort of point out. For example, crowds, yada yada. You know, transport. Um, yeah, like, like I, th I think the the biggest issue was, for example, people I don't believe could use their memberships to games. If if I can recall correctly, so no some no clubs. free access for members, Antonis. Am I right? Yeah, so our members got a ten percent discount on the tickets they bought, and I think yeah, that's another thing. Next year, okay, you don't have to make like with your membership game to fit for everything, but with your membership you can. And okay, we can't just go and scan our ticket, but with your membership you should be able to claim a free ticket for your club's game, you know? So that'll be something that we can do next year. And just before Jack continues, one more point I forgot to bring up. 
<laughs> the, Wait, sorry, you forgot a point in that yeah, oh, three-minute, five-minute rant that you just there's had? There's a lot of points. I think, if I'm not wrong, 36,000 people between the two grand finals last year with a lot of clubs and juniors getting a lot of free tickets and a lot of locals and theatre goers going. No offence. This year, a lot of people travelled. I have not heard of any club receiving a massive free tickets. And we got 42,000 people between 12 games for something that was thrown together in two months. Now, for a tourism board and tourism New South Wales, what would you rather? People coming into your city, giving you their money, attending games and traveling, and actually having some goodwill around it, or you having to um, save it by giving every club within an X kilometer radius free tickets and trying to make it like it's not a complete disaster? I know what I'd pick. And next year, we're going to get a lot more than 42,000 people because people heard about this, people want to go, people have time to plan. It's only up from here. So, again, as Jake mentioned, there are issues. You got a year to fix it. Let's see how it goes. Jake, one, one sec. The year's 2035. The A League Unite Round is like happening every year. It's doing well. And we're coming and talking about it. And Antonis is still bringing up the grand final decision. This is why we're here. The only reason Unite Round is a thing is because of this grand final. And honestly, I still can't believe this wasn't the first discussion before going nuclear with a grand final. But no. And most people will agree. I'm very confident. Antonis, don't you take some sort of credit for for initiating United Round? I absolutely do. Because I write about (laughs) it a year before it happened. Do you get like a percentage of revenue or something that's that's generated from your night yeah. round? No. Pay for my flights next year. I'll take that. Anyway, and before Jack was really interrupted, nice um, you, please continue, Jack. And I, I'm happy to always hear Antonis just rant about this stuff. Like I, I just sit back and just enjoy it. But um, yeah, yeah. But just in general, I, I thought relatively speaking, it was pretty good. I think the one thing that was disappointing, I probably was out of anyone's control was the weather during um or what was going to be the uh the Socceroos game. I think that could have been a perfect sort of way to sort of end off that Saturday night sort of everyone yeah going to um where was it again? I forgot the name of the, the uh, entertainment quarter. Uh entertainment quarter turned Watson's Bay. But pub. you know what? Give them uh, speaking of your night round Credit to Watson's for actually stepping up and opening up for like two hours after they close. That is very uniting of them. I'll give them that. And well done to everyone that's gone and left them a very nice review on Google. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was good improvisation on their part. But but yeah, obviously it wasn't the same as, you know, yeah. having it on a big screen like we've seen, you know, past years, you know, for the Matildas, soccer et cetera. You know, I think that could have been something that really could have helped sell, I guess, you know, around that sense of having every, like, like all the fans together to watch the Socceroos. I think that could have been really, really good. But again, you know, maybe just wasn't meant to be with the weather. But yeah, I, I thought, you know, again, sort of in terms, you know, touching on, I thought for first effort, really, really good. A lot of positive signs, a lot of, you know, sort of things we're going to have to fix and sort of look into, you know, to essentially incentivize more people to come, you know, because it is, you know, for a lot of people, quite a hike, you know, it's a, it's not cheap, you know, especially in this day and age, uh, you know, to travel for these type of events. And yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot of logistic issues that are going to, the aliens have to look at, look into to improve. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, again, I think I thought, you know, a decent first showing. 
Mm-hmm. And another point with that, what if, you know, how in the past we've had club memberships and you tick a box and add Paramount Plus for 80 bucks or whatever it was, why can't we have an option for all clubs and supported by the APL that you can tick a, I want to attend your night round option and I can put you on the list for like a club charter flight or if you're close to Sydney club charter bus and like a cheaper hotel that the club must organize and something like that. So there's ways to go around to make it more affordable, cheaper, get people to encourage people to go. But you just have to think outside the box and work together. And we're not always the best at either one of those things, but we've got a year to do it. And, you know, it's a good concept. And if we want to make, I guess, money as a sport through other ways, like we try with the grand final, we're trying now, you have to work together because, you know, we're all going to benefit out of it if this works. We should want this to work, you know? Australian football is fantastic at working together to achieve oh, common yeah. goals. Like, what what are you talking about? That's that's just a ridiculous statement. We work together at the best we work together is when we're all outraged. We work together to create more chaos and problems. Um, <laughs> but also, just, just entertainment quarter, um, like you've never dealt with like rain on your control box or whatever. Um, That's not good enough. It seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, so yeah, like you know, bit of a bit of a cross for you. Uh, this well, you this know weekend. what? Like in the future, like why must you go there? Like create your own thing. Go find the public square, put a big screen up, hire some security, enjoy. You know, don't have to rely on nameless people and emails and stuff like that you can make it happen yourself you know yeah um and also spare of thought for um for the djs uh and the mcs uh in in the stadiums um because man there was it was you got you got djs trying to really pump up um you know probably what, how many people like yesterday uh, at Combank? You know what? No, credit to that DJ and those. Oh, oh, oh. listen, the, the, the determination, got, the willingness. They got they got the, all the kids pumping at halftime. I really <laughs> enjoyed that. But, you know, look, it was, it was the, the weekend well, it was in very good spirit, you know? And we obviously had games that obviously didn't live up to the hype crowd-wise, but in hindsight, how many people were MacArthur, sorry, how many people were Perth going to get against Wellington on Sunday after two full days of football in constant rain? You know, it's just something that you see and I'm sure the APL in hindsight will think, yeah, probably not the schedule for that day. And it's something you have to use moving forward. No problem. Again, it was a good weekend, enjoyed some good things, some things to improve on. And that's what you'll be judged on, not just this year, but how does it go next year? So the planning should really be starting now for next year. Should should we have it in smaller stadiums next year? Or, I mean, I say that, but like kind of that's difficult in itself to, but like, you know, is, is Combank and, and Allianz just too big for, you know, Brisbane, Newcastle, like ever? Is it, it depends really what your fixture is and how you've broken it up. For me, and again, I love both stadiums, but it is a bit of a hike going from um, Allianz to Parramatta, you know? So, well, like, well, like what maybe, I'm saying, is, sure, sure. You put a big blue, like you're saying, actually, okay, yeah, no worries. If that's at Allianz, you could sell that out. 
no problem if you all the marketing's right and everything. But I don't know if you're really going to have all these other games and you're going to have multiple games with interstate teams versing each other. I just yeah. I'm not sure, and maybe it's it's not about I, I get it. It's not about always selling out the stadium, but is it going to be you know. We always talk about Suncorp, for example. We talk about how shit it is because you've basically got, you know, ten to 15,000 people, less actually these days, um, in, in a 50,000-seater stadium. And I got that vibe big time yesterday and even on, um, like, the obviously the Western MacArthur game, although that's a little bit of a special case in itself because of those two clubs still, you know, very much without a real, you know, major fan base. So, um, I don't know. Is maybe food for thought there? My argument is, okay, but with next year having something like maybe if you do, members get free to watch their club and other things like maybe better fixturing, it might look a little bit better. But again, if you are going to do MacArthur against um, Western again, why not a card for that game? You know, so and again, I always use the example of um, Service FM Stadium here in Adelaide for Adelaide United against Adelaide City. We only got what three, four thousand for that, yeah. but it looks spectacular yeah. because of the stadium that was selected. And if you did our high marsh, would have felt a bit meh, but at Service FM, it was great. My only thing is, if you are going to select a smaller stadium, the public transport isn't always as consistent, if you know what I mean, or as readily available. So you might have to, I guess, direct people there or ask to increase it for a few hours, something along those lines. may not be as big of an issue in Sydney as it is in a city like Adelaide. But again, you might have to think about ways to get more people there quicker because obviously Allianz and Parramatta are places where you can get very easily and very quickly. The... um. I mean, I, I was <laughs> the last time I went to Sydney would have been before this was, yeah, the Women's World Cup, uh, the opening game. So I was kind of, you know, a bit more familiar with the trains and aware of obviously, you know, how far away certain areas are from the Sydney city centre. Um, but I don't know, a lot of fans maybe would have got to Sydney, maybe staying in the city somewhere and just being like, oh shit, I got to go all the way out to Parramatta um, mm-hmm. to to watch the games and come back. So. Yeah, there was probably that little realisation as well. But also something like advertise, screen, screaming from the rooftop that public transport is free for you if you want to go to Parramatta, you know? So you have to be a lot better at communicating the perks that are there, you know? So cause some people knew it, other people wouldn't have known. And for me, that goes back to, all right, if you want to do this, let's limit it. Let's say, Okay, all the men's games can be Allianz, all the women's can be a card or something like that. And then let's say eliminate that Friday five o'clock game because how ridiculous. And you can do one game Friday night, then you can do Saturday two o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock, and then a double header on Sunday. That's six games. That's the all the men's games. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing two Friday, you can just have a super long day. On Friday, and if people want to skip the first game, that's on, on fine. Saturday, on Saturday, yeah, on Saturday, yeah. you know. And okay, the pitch is going to get a bit of work that weekend. But for example, here in Adelaide, in the past, we've done the um, NPL finals, the Football SA finals, a high much in a single day, and that's state leagues, that's NPL, that's men, that's women, that's a lot of games. So the ground can definitely handle it if we put some care into it. I'd love to see the distances being limited because it just makes it easier. 
for everyone, you know, not just to get around, but mentally as well, not feeling, oh, I'm going to need to go on the train for 45 minutes again and be out at midnight and go back to my hotel and sleep at one o'clock as we did for three consecutive nights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like when you've just come back from America, <laughs> getting used to having having some kind of illness picked up on the plane, getting used to Australian time zone again, traveling to Sydney, and then, yeah, every night you're going home at one. Um, but, you know, is what it is. Uh, There's things to think about. You know, we can yeah. keep talking about this for hours. Yeah, I know. Like, seriously, think think about me and my, my travel. Like, come <laughs> on, what the hell? Um, but the, the thing with that is, obviously, if, you, if you're going to put most of the games on the Saturday, you probably have to start one earlier, which probably means this is leaning towards the games, the, the night round probably next year, if I had to make a prediction, will not be, you know, right in the middle of summer. I'd, I... If I'm making a prediction, I'd say it's probably going to be before, you know, definitely before Christmas sometime. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, it has to be earlier rather than later because, again, as a fan... You made a really good point, actually, yeah. about, like, if you're yeah. a Perth Glory fan, exactly. for example. Exactly. That's what yeah. I'm going to say because if you leave it too late, if, let's say, you make United around with a month to go in the season, I'm an Adelaide United fan. If my team is going very well, my mind isn't that United round. My mind is that saving my cash for finals just in case my team has to travel or maybe for a second leg that you play away. If my team is garbage, I'm not bothering. You know? Were, were you trying to say that maybe a second leg that Carl Viet would lose again and, and yeah, we'd be one there, game but, away from a grand final? Yeah, let's not make it about us now. Um, but, yeah, look, early in the season, the excitement is there. That's why my round one take is there because – We've all been there, even in Premier League, AFL, here in the A-League. There's three months here. There's three. There's more than three months. What am I talking about? There are many, many months that we have to wait to watch our team play. <laughs> I've seen so long in the A-League. Antonis has forgotten how many months it actually is. <laughs> it's the longest preseason in the world. You want to go watch your team play? I would love to travel to Sydney, not just to watch my team play. I care about the league. I'd love to see how everyone goes in the first week of the league. I want to go see MacArthur Western United, you know? I'm hungry for football. So you can get away with stuff like that. So I'd love it in round one. And I think there are benefits there that you can kind of combine advertising campaigns. Come watch the A-League, kick off a Unite round. Come watch because of this, this and that. So I'd love that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Media experiences at United round um, and kind of like some funny moments. So John Aloisi to start off with, and this is even funny if you were there and you actually saw this because, so I, I kind of made a point going into this. I wanted to kind of get a sense of from the coaches uh, what they thought about United round and stuff. Um, and we had, um, which which should be up on this feed soon. Uh, Cody did a great job on the women's side, Cody Jada. Uh, of getting kind of the players and the coaches' thoughts uh, um, from a dub perspective on United Round. But um asked John Aloisi and he goes, yeah, I'm sure many people have probably seen this quote going around. Uh, you know, not sure who was abusing me, whether it was, you know, McCarthy supporters, Wanderers supporters, et cetera, et cetera, or my own. And they said, no, I'm joking. Um, but that was actually even funnier because during the game, there was actually no supporters behind him uh, or the bench, which I was literally just thinking then. Um, it was literally um, Mal, I've forgotten how to say his last name, uh, which is obviously the West United football director, um, Im- Impia Bardo, I want to say, potentially. Don't know if I've got that right. But uh, yeah, quite funny moment there. Then we, of course, had 
first, so Saturday was interesting. We had the Mariners equalizing in the last minute and both Mariners and Sydney FC supporters, uh, a, a minor Cove uh, contingent uh, celebrating an equalizer against victory. Um, and that was a real roar uh, when Jing Reese rolled that ball into the net. That's for sure. Um, as well and then I think that's what kind of prompted the victory fans that were there to go now fuck this we're not staying for uh, Sydney Adelaide uh, after after dropping after dropping uh, three points um, and then we had <laughs> then we had Sydney Adelaide uh, and we basically just had and I don't know whether it was just kind of a gang up thing because Sydney were losing as well and it was just like why not just just kind of make them feel worse about themselves but basically Mariners fans uh, who went we had Mariners fans it was Mar- I've heard from people in the Bay there were Mariners there were even Brisbane fans there were MacArthur fans Central Coast apparently uh, Central Coast and the Victory fans going and chanting our favourite soccer no, I don't like no, I I, I told you this, I don't like that being used for Socceroos. Okay, I will maintain that. I will maintain that. I will maintain that. But but it was um, kind of funny in this context. It's a laugh. But again, it's um and shout out apparently the Mariners fans who were the loudest in that bay, according to my Adelaide mates. Yeah, I was saying this. I was saying this, like obviously you know, like don't don't underestimate the like Mariners Newcastle hate no, towards Sydney FC. You know what that is? It's the champion swagger that yes, we're going to come in your stadium and <laughs> have at you. But yeah, you know and I you're going in this? there like with your kind of champion form, yeah. kind of getting rejuvenated as opposed to going yeah. in there with how they looked at the start of the season. Yeah. So. But you know what I love about this? Again, maybe Sydney FC fans didn't like at their own stadium, probably also because they weren't doing very well. But what I love about this is that we have this culture that, you know what, we're all going to get together and start boiling our hosts because it's just funny and they're kind of having a bad moment right now. Because in other countries, in other parts of the world, if you see anyone with even slightly wearing the wrong colour going in your bay, the fight isn't against the people from the other side of the stadium, it's on them. So for us to come together and just have a laugh, it's, you know, it's great, you know, and no one specified how people should be uniting. So I'm going <laughs> to give this my stamp of approval. Listen, in 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 several minor ways, Unite Round did achieve its its name objective. Um, so you know. you know, it's it's a laugh. It's you know, too many people take themselves this seriously. You know, why not? Why not next year? Sydney FC doing that to Melbourne victory, for example, when the tables are turned. You know, it's. Yeah, it's one man was taking himself a little bit too seriously on Friday night, but we'll get to that. Soon. Yeah, we'll talk about it. It was, it was a grind of a weekend, but you know we enjoyed it. It was good fun. So again, I, I reiterate that the people I talked to, at least, and a lot of that I've seen online, the people that travelled for this came out of it that, and they really enjoyed it for what it was. Obviously, they admit there are things to improve. We can all agree on that. But again, it's a good place to be, and it's a much better place to be right now than we were 12 months ago. 12 months ago, I was overseas, and I was so sick and tired of everything that was happening in this league. This year, I'm really enjoying what's happening, you know? Again, I reiterate, Antonis is grave, is going to ride on it. Hater of APL's grand final decision. Yeah, but who wasn't? (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm not disagreeing. Of course we are. We're just saying. The, the 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 harping on about it is uh, is, I'm, is right. I'm, I'm just saying, it, is this not valid that this right now compared to last year? Yeah, no, of course. Of it, course it's I'm not even night and day. It's like 
I'm agreeing. I'm just I'm taking the piss out of you. I'm treating you like the 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 Bay treated uh, Sydney FC fans on Saturday. <laughs> oh, I need a chance. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no time for that. Um, so, all right, enough of this. Uh, the football, the football. Um, so first, I wanted to talk about the Adelaide United Sydney FC game. Um, and yeah, Adelaide actually doing something which I didn't actually think they were capable of doing. Um, which was actually showing some kind of reserve and backbone after going behind in the game. And game starts, Sydney score through Anthony Caceres. They absolutely dominate the first 20 minutes. And it's kind of like, okay. I, I think I actually turned to Antonis who was sitting in the box. I think I turned to Antonis and said, I think they're literally going to get hammered here. Um, this this could get ugly. Uh, Fabio Gomez hits the ball over the bar and the game kind of changed from that point of view. Um, but yeah, I was actually weirdly impressed by Adelaide. And I mean, look, we all know, you know, that they've had some impressive performances, but, you know, something which I've been waiting for them is if you actually face some adversity, can you actually come out of it and uh, and actually still get a result? And they actually did that to their credit. And um, I eating, I was eating some very, very humble pie uh, during the game because Roshi Basuki actually showed that he's that he can play football um, and, and, and be a... Be a uh, be a clinical striker and lead the line for Adelaide. So fair play um, because I was getting into I was getting into kind of like what's this guy really offering Adelaide at the start of the season? Uh, but they obviously changed the formation recently. They went to two strikers, um, and he's yeah he's kind of reaping the rewards of that big time. Um, and more the point, he's kind of just taking his chances. Well, Adelaide actually had. Only six shots on target in this game. They score four goals, um, which for a young team is also rare uh, to be clinical. I'll be honest. I don't think this type of performance is sustainable. We saw that they were 4-1 up and they're still like, I don't think I've ever seen a team be so uncomfortable with a 4-1 lead um, as as Adelaide. Like, you know, come on. If that's if that's Melbourne victory, the 4-1 up, the game's done, you know. Uh, and, and we move on. But if probably if that's Wellington, you know, based on what we've seen from them this year, maybe that's the same too. Wanderers, probably the same. Um, but, I mean, Adelaide, they actually did concede over 20 shots in this game. Um, and it's actually the fifth... I actually I was having a look. It's the fifth game this season that they've actually conceded 20-plus shots uh, in a game um, from from 12, though. So, like, you got to think that's almost half the games. Um, now, obviously, you know, that, that can differ. Some shots are off target. It's not always the 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 best metric, but it just kind of gives you an idea that they showed backbone for sure. Um, I thought Alex Popovich was excellent this game for sure, um, but there's still a lot of fragility there. Um, and if they weren't clinical, they could have lost that game, but they were clinical. And let's see if it's sustainable. I'm going to say now I don't think it is, but who knows? Maybe they can grow and use this as a, as a springboard, Antonis. Yeah, look, it's just, like I said, it's a young team. It's one that's been inconsistent. I do think they've been all right in recent weeks since that change of formation, but without quite always getting the reward. But it's just a team that has to cut the gap between its best and worst. You know, at moments we see them and they're on top of the world, like we saw them start the year hammering basically the Mariners in City. And then we see them get hammered by Sydney FC a couple of weeks after. So it's just about limiting that gap. You know, where is your best, where is your worst, and cutting that gap between it. Um, and again, you mentioned that they only had limited shots. They were very good shots, though. Like, a couple of them were unmissable. 
you know. So they created very good opportunities. But after the game, when Carl Viet was asked about the conceding side of it and nearly throwing it, he said, oh, it's kind of the way Adelaide does it. His job is to make sure that's not the way Adelaide does it because it has been for a bit I, too I don't long. Think he, I, but I just don't think he can change it with the personnel he's got at the moment. Like. Uh, it's not, yeah. Maybe, it's, look, maybe, maybe he might stumble. Uh, we'll talk about this now. Is is playing at centre back? Um, who I believe Carl Viet from memory said kind yeah. of is where he sees him now, and and I agree. I, I I think he is potentially better than now. And and I know you said uh, to me that that kind of helps your midfield situation a little bit by taking basically someone who always starts a midfield out there, and it can give Tunnicliffe kind of that free reign as a six. Johnny Yell can kind of come back in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Isaias has the game in front of him, um, which is probably what he wants and is easier for him at this age. Um, and but I think Adelaide Adelaide can get better defensively with with Alex Popovich improving and developing. Um, and they could also just get better defensively if Ryan Kiddo stays out of the team. Um, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm sorry I'm gonna go there because you know I've, I've said it for weeks. I don't I don't think Ryan Kiddo is that is at the level to start left back for an A-League team. That's the reality. Yes, he's the captain. I get it. But, you know, Carl Vier put himself in that position by giving him the captaincy. Um, now he was faced with a difficult decision against City because he remembered the 5-1 loss and he remembered how Joe Lolly absolutely torched Ryan Kiddo in that game. And I'm now wondering whether that was just a one-off because of that opponent or whether Ryan Kiddo just comes back in next week. But I don't know. Javi Lopez looks a lot more solid. Povolini is a young player who... Probably still has his moments defensively, but is doing really well in an attacking sense. And I think you kind of, he's young, you got to let him make his mistakes. Whereas Ryan Kiddo's kind of, you know, on the wrong side of 25, right? So he's kind of is what he is. And that was interesting going to the game. And I remember me and Atos looked at each other like, whoa, okay, Ryan Kiddo's been dropped. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, mainly because of the dynamics around dropping your captain. But you could kind of see, I'm not going to say that they, they looked more solid, but. You know, um, it just Javi Lopez is is it's just a better fit there from a defensive point of view, and I don't know now whether this becomes the norm for Adelaide. Um, and if that's the case, well, it's interesting because you know that is your captain. So I don't I don't know, Antonis, what you think yeah. of this, but it's I, I do think it's something which needed to happen. Uh, I was yeah, kind of it's not like I was calling for it, but I do think you know it's something that had to be done if Adelaide were kind of gonna going to show some sort of improvement defensively. Yeah, look, it's, again, uh, my point to this is that I'm glad that Carl Viet is showing that his captain is not untouchable, you know, because that was my concern with this. And uh, it's only good if someone's putting pressure, then that's not just on Ryan Kitter, that's on everyone. And Kitter can be a serviceable A-League player, but again, if you're not performing, you can't stay in the side. So, Javi Lopez, He's in Adelaide for a reason. He's a very experienced player. Some of the best times Craig Woodman has had on the left wing as well has been with with Javi Lopez at left back. So even on an attacking sense, he's a very intelligent player. If he doesn't have his speed anymore, he can pick out a pass. He knows where the players are. So, yeah, and Kido will find his way back in the team, be it the captain, be it because Javi needs a rest. The pressure's on him now, though, so he has to deliver. My concern isn't only just the moments where player X gets caught out. My concern is when Adelaide gets a lead, 
the mentality changing and going into preservation modes. Not not the not that the I guess the instructions coming from the bench. They, they can't do that. So like you, you know, it's, it's different. You the wanderers, the wanderers are different. For example, we'll talk about them soon. But you don't have the yeah. personnel. You don't have a monster at the back in Marcelo or something like that to kind of keep it all out. That's not who you are as a team. You get to a point because you play a certain way, and then that way it goes. And when that way goes and you are hesitating with your pressing, guess what happens? That 5-1 back in Adelaide happens against Sydney FC. And it's basically what happened that second half after Adelaide scored their fourth because then Sydney went and scored three. So really, that second half, Adelaide wins the match. Adelaide loses that second half 3-1. Why does that happen? Because the mentality changes completely and we're seeing a side that's hesitating when when it comes to pressing, a side that when they win the ball, they're not thinking about attacking. They're just smashing it back to Sydney FC. So, yes, fantastic to get that position. You are showing spirit. You are showing quality. Fantastic. What do you do when you're there? Because managing a league is as important as getting it because there's no point in getting it in the first place. So I know it's a young team, but there are experienced players in that team. I'm sorry. There are enough experienced players in that team to be able to ground everyone else, to say this is what we're doing now. That's where they need to get better because there's no point scoring four if you're going to be conceding like that. And you get away with one like that and you're going to enjoy the win, well-deserved. But it's not always going to play out that way. You're not, like you mentioned, Christian, you're not always going to score four of your six shots. Another day, you might score two or three. If the other team scores three, you get a draw or you get, um, you know, you might not even escape with anything. So managing the game is as important as getting to the point that three points look like they might be yours. Yeah. There are enough experienced players in that team, but I don't, think any of them are going to be consistent enough to to if I had to make a prediction to, yeah, to kind and, of lift up the young guys. Um, and it's it's what we said, oh, that's what I said in the preseason as well about the experienced players because who yeah. is there that will be experienced? The only one we've seen that's consistently done the week in, week out is Zach Clough this mm-hmm. season. Others have to ask their level. When Ben Halloran has shown that he's got it in him, it was in recent weeks. You need that consistently from not just them and this is as well, even some of the experienced centre-backs, Ryan Tunnicliffe. These young players need help. You have to do it consistently. And if you can't do it, it's something Adelaide has to consider moving forward. And I guess that's their addition for the rest of the season. Who are you as players in this team? Because we need you to be a certain kind of player. What can you deliver for us? Yeah. Uh, Jake, is that was that the... How many times have you seen Adelaide up close this season? Did you see them in Melbourne? I think second game. I I I saw them. Yeah, yeah. Against what? When yeah. Nestor got sent off? I yeah, when yeah, when Nestor got sent off. Okay, so that would have been the second time you saw Adelaide kind of in the flesh. What uh, what did you make of them? What what yeah. do you what do you notice? Oh well, the first half I think was simply unbelievable. Obviously, I've sort of watched them at least, you know, sort of you know over TV or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think it's been I've really liked sort of what I've seen from Hiroshi Ibasuki in that sort of two striker formation. And I think uh-huh. yeah, seeing him in flesh, he looked completely different player than sort of what we saw, you know, well, at the start of the season. Yeah, you know, let's let's just say, um, I think it's really helped him sort of being that focal point in the attack, bringing on the players from because I think he's someone that yeah is. Yeah, you know, for I think six foot five, he's actually pretty skilled. You know, he's good at holding up the ball. No, he is good technically. I, you know, I'm, as it's much just as about I've, using him. As much as I've criticised him 
you know, uh, probably at the start of the season. He, I, I never said that he wasn't a good player technically. For me, it was always just his movements were really strange uh, for for kind of Tiger player. I didn't really understand why, you know, I think I mentioned a couple of times the ball would go out wide and Ibisuki's going over and literally asking the ball to his feet. And it's kind of like, what are you doing? Get out of there. Um, whereas in a two striker system, I think you saw Ben Halloran is kind of more doing the dirty work. Uh, if, 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 if you can say on, uh, on Saturday. And I think for me watching that, um, it seemed like Ibisuki is going to work a lot better with someone who just plays really close to him. Um, so he's kind of, kind of be able to link up and combine a lot easier. And uh, start the second half as well. Sydney, I felt actually started overreacting a lot when the ball got hit in Ibisuki, and then all of a sudden they just had all this space out wide. And if you're nesty, you're rubbing your hands, going, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable!" Um, you know, I'm in behind, you know, all the time. So yeah, uh, but yeah, as as you were saying, the two striker thing for sure is is. Oh, you got to give him credit. He's he's made that change, and it's it's doing wonders. Uh, I I think it yeah suits Ibasuki as yeah he's um very skilled in many ways, but I also say he's probably one of if not the slowest player in the league. He does not move very well, so I think if you can get yeah sort of that you know let him know that because he pulled up his best winger impression in the half. Yeah, for the <laughs> third goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, so he's he doesn't have the legs for it anymore. But yeah, if you get a Halloran beside him, but Jovanovic beside him, some of these you know guys are a bit quicker, you know, sort of able to you know buzz around the pitch a little bit better, link up with him. Yeah, I think we saw it at, um you know the other day. It was fantastic, and yeah, like like you said with Iran Kunda, I think that was, was that his first ever tap in. <laughs> I think so. It wasn't even it wasn't even like a straightforward tap in though either. Didn't he like, get it like under yeah, no, Red Man's legs or something? That was the easiest <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but it might be one of the easier goals he scored. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, um, but I think that links to an important point that I've seen made in work for Nesta is this season so far, and we've just seen in general, all his goals are scored. It's all his own work. He essentially has to do some amazing stuff, get an amazing shot. Whereas this one here, finally, it's something where it's like, he, yeah, he's just in the right place, right time, ball played across him, scores the goal. You know what I mean? I think we really need to see that more Yeah, mm-hmm. well, from Adelaide as a whole not being as reliant on him to essentially do everything himself, you know? If yeah. The likes of if that, Loft, you know, able to create attack for him. Yeah, that's a bit on him as well, though, because he has to understand that he's still involved in the attacks, even if he's not the one with the ball at his feet. And him attacking the box and the back post like that is great to see for his development of staying engaged, I guess, without the ball. So, yeah, great to see. And another thing about him, it was great to see him not feel the need to just take these speculative shots that she's grown accustomed to to take and understanding that, okay, I don't always have to do this. I've got my teammates that I can trust. And, you know, the process worked on that given day. You don't have to do it all yourself. So yeah, but I could, you know, I see could, him understand that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't totally disagree. Uh, I agree with some, what you're saying. I, I do think as well though, like, Outside of Zach Clough at the start of the season, like who, who are you looking at and going if you're Nesta? Yeah, let me give the ball to Ben Halloran because he's in like yeah, such great form. You can't think you know? like that though. You can't just say, "Oh, he's shit and he's shit." I'm just no, no, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's shit, he's shit. But if you're a young player, you know, and you've got all this expectation on you, you probably just let me talk. Let me talk. You probably right. and you know, like Ibisuki's not scoring. Halloran's like whatever side of the bed he wakes up on, you know. And, and even that's still kind of out there. Like he was great on Saturday, but let's see how he performs next week, right? Um, you you kind of start to think like, and I'm scoring these goals. 
and I'm not saying this is right at all. This is this is what he needs to learn. So I'm agreeing with you, but you can understand is what I'm getting at why he might have started thinking like that. What I liked about Saturday though is what Jake's saying is like it kind of felt like he was playing within the flow of kind of what Adelaide was doing. It wasn't so much like you know I'm going to drop deep, get the ball, yeah, and kind of dribble through guys, which which is I guess what you're saying, Antonis. So for sure, but. You know, Adelaide, again, ultimately, we just spoke about defensively kind of or seeing our games, how the experienced players have to do that. You know, Ibisuki's on a really purple patch at the moment. So, like, I'm not expecting him to score a hat-trick every week. That's ridiculous. But can he be a viable threat for the rest of the season? Halloran is the one, though, who's kind of... And, and Clough to an extent, but Clough's been, you know, pretty good all season, let's be honest. You know, he's he's kind of really proved himself now that, that, he's, a, that he's a guy that can be relied upon every week. But Halloran's like the swing guy for me. He's kind of like if if Halloran can be Halloran that we saw what Antonis like two seasons ago, if just just kind of before he left head, for before he went to Korea, season. yeah, before he went to Korea, then Adelaide's kind of okay, maybe and Ibisuki well, is still the guy he is right that now. Halloran, yeah. That Halloran was being considered for soccer roots, you know, yeah. so he's yeah. got a really high yeah. level that he's capable of, and it's just about find that consistently. But yeah, it's you saw like. Very smart movement on the weekend for that first and second goal, you know, yeah. in and around the box, around Ibisuki. So he's definitely capable of it. But again, he's, he's, I guess, like a microcosm of the team. He needs to cut the gap between his best and his worst. And if United can get a more consistent Halloran, United will be a more consistent football team. So, yeah. you know, it's a chicken or the egg thing. So, yeah, we'll see. You move on and... It doesn't really suit United now that they've got a week off because of the West United State and debacle. But you'd like to continue your four-goal run. But again, it might be beneficial having a week off after a really heavy schedule with a weekend game and a midweek game and then a weekend game again. So it might be a blessing in disguise. But you move on to Melbourne City the week after, that's going to be very interesting because... Obviously, we know it's a side that United's had some joy against. So we'll see if Kyle sticks with his current tactic or if he goes to his fight and tested. Yeah, um, we could talk about why, you know, Adelaide aren't playing next week, but uh, I don't really have the energy uh, to to talk about all that Western Stadium stuff. At the moment. We are going to talk about Western though now um, and Perth because we, we got to... Jake, you weren't at the Perth game with us, um, but... We all got to watch um, uh, the Western United uh, McCarthy game. Jay, you had the Western United McCarthy game, weren't you? I, I I was there for the last twenty minutes, thanks to the. Uh, oh no, that's right. Yeah, transport issues. Yeah, Jake Jake <laughs> was introduced to, to public transport in Sydney. Um, on, on symbolic. Friday. Melbourne's better. Mm, no, 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 no. Um, but uh, you, you kept on looking for reasons to like say that Melbourne was better. Very, very, very it's, proud it's, Victorian. I'm not looking for it. It's straight up. Sorry. I've, I've, I've experienced up. it now. I, I I don't need to be like, I think Melbourne's better. I know now. But anyways. Jeez. All right. Uh, when, I, when, I, <laughs> when I went to Sydney for the Women's World Cup, I was like, wow, how how, how bland is Adelaide? Um, but no, no, no. Uh, the uh, Antonis is doing the hashtag sign for the SA Great. Uh, it's not time for your propaganda. Stop it. Um, all right. No, the... the <laughs> so... Let's start with Weston, who utterly dominated MacArthur, to be fair, on Friday. And if not for Uli Devere, you know, being Uli Devere, 
would have had three points. Um, but I want to circle on something John Aloisi said after the game, although I said, you know, the, the quote he said about the United round, which is quite funny, but he also said in the same press conference, he said a couple of things. He said, he feels right now it's the best they've ever played under him, um, which we'll circle back to that in a second. Second thing was he kind of, <laughs> he was asked about whether they're going to bring in new players in January and kind of in one of the most least shocking uh, answers probably uh, of the press conference, he said no because of, you know, financial and, well, he didn't say financial, I don't think, but he said a range of things, which we kind of could all decipher was financial, right? Um, so not not shocked at all that West aren't going to be able to bolster their squad. So they kind of are what they are, but Aloisi thinks, he still seems to think that they're kind of going to turn a corner and things are going to happen for them. I still think they could. I'll be honest. I kind of, I still think, you know, Pena seemed a little bit unleashed on Friday. Can he drag them to a couple wins here and there? Then you can get, you know, that kind of a Bottage game here or something, or, or someone else can contribute um, and kind of, you know, uh, come out of the, come out of nowhere and kind of, you know, be that guy to support in terms of maybe taking chances because that's that's been their biggest problem uh, all season. But I think like something with them, and we're going to talk about Perth as well, who are a little bit different, of course, for, for a whole bunch of reasons. But like at what point does like missing chances and that script playing out every week where you've having a lot of the ball and you're missing a lot of chances and stuff, at what point is it just, you know, this is who you are, like at the end of the day? Because like, I think about two teams... And Antonis, you can talk about this one, is Adelaide's title defense here in 16-17. Weirdly, like, that team actually... No, no, seriously. I know, I know you got your eyes, but I remember from memory, that team actually dominated, like, a lot of games. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know yeah. what? Like, it's probably a little bit different, but... It's, and it's similar to Western as well. It's that Adelaide United team was so tight-knit, you know, and suddenly United had players leave. West Ham, some players leave, but other things, players not wanting to be there. And suddenly yeah. those walls that you kind of enclose yourself and that spirit is built start crumbling down. And you can't get a win one week. You can't get a win another week. Suddenly it's five weeks and you're bottom of the table. Yeah. And it's very hard to arrest that momentum. One thing that this Western side has going about it is they just keep going at it. You know, they don't seem like completely shattered where they're at. You know, and I guess the positive here was they scored three goals. They have not been able to score to save their lives all year. So you can see at least, and I guess it can, it's a pleasing point for Aloisi, that this is not a team that is discouraged. Yes, they're not enjoying being where they are, but it's a team that's continuing to play, to play football, seeing, mm-hmm. coming into games and thinking, you know what, we've got this, we can win this, even if that script keeps playing. Um how long that lasts, if results don't come, who knows? But they're still a viable team in my eyes. And if Pena can produce like he produced on Friday, why not? Because he is a spectacular player at his best. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Different from that team last year, that team felt like a lot of players just were not mentally there. Important players were not mentally there. Yeah. I think this team believes in itself. Where they end up is anyone's guess. But as you said, I feel like they can turn a corner. Completely different question if they will. My other example was victory last year. 
yeah. as a comparison because and Jake, I don't know if you looked up like XG in terms of West United and if they're like leading the XG table and stuff. I don't know some I don't know I saw I saw someone ranting about like XG or something this week in like yes. some article. Um which like, you know, I, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but like it, it, it does have a lot of benefits and it is definitely like a very viable statistic. So anyway, um, and Western would have to be, you know, near the top of that probably, or or at least like a mid table team when it comes to XG. And, but victory last year from memory was something mm-hmm. like top four when it came to XG. It's a very good XG. example. And it's a very good example. Yeah. Like at the end of it, it was kind of what they were. And the other thing was victory last year wasn't like they were awful defensively either. And I don't like Western haven't been shocking defensively this year either. They've kind of been, you know, average, you know, uh, mm-hmm. definitely not a team that's bottom anyway. So they were, again, that victory side was actually solid for the majority of the games. Mm-hmm. But what kept happening to that, a moment, a disastrous moment here, a disastrous moment next week. And that's what got them, you know. And how long can you go until your spirits drop and you're like, well, this is what we are now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what we're seeing with Western. A mistake here, a mistake there, a nine goal here. This happens there. So they just have to shake themselves out of that. And again, their back line doesn't really inspire confidence in me personally. Well, I was going to get to this because... Uh, Jack, again, went, yeah. yeah, Jay, maybe I'll see this. It's like, do we think... Like, they're quite old, Weston. There, there are, like, some kind of areas that are kind of, like, there are a few guys who are probably just past it. And I think maybe going into the season, I think quite a few people probably overrated this squad a little bit. To be honest, I think that's maybe playing out a little bit now. But they've still got, you know, there's still quality there. That There's still enough quality there that we're all saying they should definitely not be bottom. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think... Maybe in retrospect, maybe too many people, myself included, myself included. I think I had them something like fourth or something. Um, probably rated them too highly going into the season because, you know, you got guys like Lustica's looked shocking this year. Uh, Risden has not looked great at all. Um, you've had Tomoki Imai, who's been a pretty good center back in the A-League, I think is kind of probably, probably been his worst season so far uh, this time around. Jacob Tratt is, you know, Jacob Tratt. That's what what are you really expecting from him? Let's be honest, in terms of contributing to a team that's going to be like a top four team or something like that. It's just not going to happen. Um and you know, it's just it's just a lot of meh. It's just a lot of <laughs> mediocrity, right? Um, in, in certain parts. And, you know, that's why Pena's kind of the guy. And then who knows, maybe is there is there too much on kind of Pena to produce because yeah, I thought the second goal was quite funny with Pena's, Pena's second goal that was where he just kind of got the ball and he was kind of like, screw this. I'm just going to like smash this in the bottom left corner. Um, no worries. Um, you know, but just Devere was kind of doing the same thing. Like it was kind of a cool, that was a, that was a, that was a pro visa players A-League game, that one, because that was kind of like <laughs> just, just Devere and Pena kind of going at it. Um, but I'm the same, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the same breath though. I think Western a little bit different to like victory last year where they are having like some bad luck. I mean, MacArthur's equalizer, like Devere just gets his head on a wild deflection loops over Hewitt Bell. Like Aloisi's probably thinking on the sidelines, what the hell? Like, you know, how can we really account for that? Okay, maybe stop the cross. Yeah, true. If you wanted to if you wanted to go backwards, but they're just not getting that rub of the green at the moment. But I did oh, yeah. ask I did ask him afterwards. I kind of said, like, at what point yeah, like, do you kind of, you keep saying rubber the green, rubber the green, but then you're worrying about 
are we just never going to get the rub of the green? And then when right. that happens, it's just kind of like you're in this never-ending cycle of just mediocrity every week and you just can't get the season going. And at the moment, they're in danger of becoming that. And, but at some stage, you're like your your own architects, you know, of your demise. We see that Tomoki in my mistake. Yeah. Know? And you're yeah. like, yeah. come on. Like in a game, in a six-goal shootout, that's the difference between a point and three. You know, and you multiply that. Okay, it's not going to happen every week, but if it happens like in a quarter of your games, that's a big amount of games that where you've dropped points or one, uh, two points, or all points. So again, it's just something that um, contributes to that downfall. And it's such a tight league that one or two of those could make the world a difference. You know, that can be the difference between you being in the top four and on the edge of finals, or the edge of finals and the wooden spoon. You know, so it's really important that stuff gets cut out. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying that backline does not fill me with confidence because I feel like a couple of them are prone to those errors. And it's something that, you know, definitely has to be addressed moving into next season. I don't know how much can be done this season. Yeah. Jake, what, do, you, do you agree with my assessment of their squad or do, do you think, am I, am I wrong in part? I'm more, more than happy to, to listen to a counter. Yeah, look, I it's okay. So, so I I agree with you saying in terms of its aging. However, obviously, I guess yeah. people maybe didn't expect the degree of de- decline we've seen some players. I think Josh Risden is one that really comes to mind. There, you know, not you know too many seasons. Who, who's declined more, Josh Risden or Ryan Grant? Well, I I, I I'd say I think that's Ryan just an interesting Grant's... debate for itself. But anyway. <laughs> I, I like like he's like I think Ristons I've really noticed this season. I, I think I was always pretty high on him statistically. He was always looking good. This season, however, it's it's just got really poor. He just really has lost those legs to be playing as a fullback sort of week in week. Hundred percent. So that's, that, that's, that's what I like. You know, I'm more of an eye test guy than than a stats guy. I'll be honest. And just every time I watch Risden, it's just like you just man like. You know, there's a football match happening. Like, can you kind of play like a fullback, bomb on, get high, like maybe don't play the ball at like half speed, this sort of stuff. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, it's, I, I, and I'd, but I, I would on the flip side say, however, that they did make a lot of promising younger players. They were sort of ideally trying to bring through there. Angus Thurgate's one, Lockie Wales, obviously, you know, he's still, he's probably getting a bit on now, but, you know, I'd still play out that with a bit of youth. Um, one worth kind of completely forgetting is Noel Bodic. You know, coming into this season, it was almost like, okay, this is going to be one of the most promising, you know, maybe up there, you know, double digits goals and someone that can really sort of spearhead their attack. And this season's just not gone for him. You know, he hasn't been necessarily getting the most amount of chances, but at the same time, it has been disappointing. I think in the the previous game, um, well, I think on the uh, other podcast we're talking about, um, where the ball just sort of rolled across the goal and if you're a striker in form and you're confident, you're, you're onto that ball, but he just sort of watched it. He just doesn't, maybe not there. And obviously we saw him drop for this game, um, which was disappointing in a way, but it's also, it's understandable yeah, well, because straight up he's the thing about the game and not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about Botic is like, you know, there's, we've, we've spoken about this a little bit where like, you look at guys like Jedru, Nishan Valupale, like there's, there's certain guys who have had that leap, but then there's certain guys who just haven't, and they haven't been able to kind of, for whatever reason, whether it's their clubs, you know, not being in a great situation, and Botic unfortunately is on the on the wrong list, I guess. 
Yeah, it it just felt like it's just like okay. So he scored that that penalty in the first game, which was good. You know, I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is his season. It just hasn't gone his way since then. It's just there's like constant things happening every single game. He'll get a chance here. He'll I, I think he scored a goal or two that got disallowed. You know, it's just these things, and he just hasn't had that moment. You know, a lot of players they get that moment and just clicks. You know, they get that goal, they get that chance, this or that. And then they push on. But this season, it just hasn't happened for him. And it's got to a point now where I think John Alusi also is like, okay, look, you know, he seems to have a lot of confidence in him, but he said, look, I'm going to have to drop you. You know, you haven't been scoring. You've got Michael Ruse has been in some good form. And to be fair, I thought he played quite well. And he honestly looks like he probably should be starting at the moment, um, which is quite like surprising because, yeah, Noel Bosch again, you know, he's someone Michael that- Michael Ruse really did look all right um, on, uh, on Friday. Um, and yeah, he changed. The system looked a little bit different too. Um, with with Weston as well. Um, the Grimaldi kind of played as a 10 uh, and Pena as well. They played with two 10s. It's a little bit different. And Garucho was getting higher um, because he can do that. And, and Garucho's had a pretty good season, um, to be honest. He's been one of, the, one of the shining lights as well. One thing, I know Antonis is grinding Antonis's gear every week. Um, I'm, I'm trying to wonder what John Aloisi sees. When he watches Jacob Tratt and Kane Vidmar in training, I'm wondering what strengths of Jacob Tratt are outweighing the strengths of Kane Vidmar or what, like, I don't, it's a very, that's, that's one that I think John, like, if you're listening, maybe just make that change just now and just kind of let, you already bought him, let Kane make his mistakes. He'll probably give you more. He'll give you a lot more in possession, you know? So yeah, maybe just, maybe just do that. Look, for me, in my eyes, Kane Vidmar is a better footballer at this point in his career than what Jacob Tratt is, especially, like you said, in possession. And you, you um, Adelaide had that Jacob Tratt experience as well. Yeah, yeah. But again, at that stage, Kane was very young and no one was making that argument. But in the last year, I've seen Kane take a huge step personally. It's some, someone I've been watching. But again, you are bottom. Even if Kane is having his own, I guess, growing pains, how much worse can they get? You know, like, and again, Kane can make his mistakes. Let's say he makes, and I don't think he would because he's much better on the ball. Let's just say for argument's sake, Kane makes the exact same mistakes as Jacob Trapp, which he won't because I don't say he's better on the ball. Who gives you more long-term? I assume they're planning to, for Kane Vibot to be the starting centre-back moving forward. Who's going to grow more as a player? Who's going to benefit from the experience? Because the answer is pretty simple. So I don't see what the benefit is. Well, of- you don't think Jacob Track could grow as a player on his like seventh club? And it's not just it's not just the club thing. It's where you are in your career as well. You know, we're talking about a promising up-and-coming centre-back who I think can take a step into playing week in, week out, and a journeyman. And not just in where Kane is in his career, where West United is in its squad assembly, I guess, I don't see an argument where Jacob Tratt should be starting over Kane Vidmar week in, week out. So it's something I'd be doing straight away, and I also think it will make West United's defence better. So, yeah, I don't know. I've got no clue. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, pivot to Perth, who are also struggling badly. Um, tough week. Tough week out West. Um, and a tough week for Alan Stajic, who had to kind of concede that he's, his hands are tied. Um, and, 
you know, you could see the frustration. Yeah, that was an article in the in the Western Australian um, earlier this week. And then the game yesterday played out and, you know, Perth could have easily won that. Um, but in what's happening with Perth recently, has suddenly now decided let's put our fan base through more torture by being in high-scoring close games that we're just going to lose every week now. Um, like, holy crap, if you're a Perth Glory fan at the moment, it's just it's just really bad. Um, because, and you could just see with Alan Stadjic yesterday, he's not the type to, you know, he's not like the red Mr. Sens or anything like that. He's not that probably type of character, but walks in the press yesterday and just, it's almost just total dejection um with his whole demeanor and everything you know and almost the way he was answering the questions was kind of like like yeah i know these are basics that i'm telling the players and for whatever reason they're not you know um executing but for me like and this is something something with newcastle as well who are a little bit different because their squad's just a lot younger and they've kind of tried to just pivot to kind of being a little bit more, let's, all right, we have no owners, but let's see if we can develop some players and, and get some results along the way. But with both of these clubs, I get it. I get it. They've got no owners. Like it's always, it's a very, very legitimate excuse for the struggles. But sometimes, you know, like you look at Perth, for me, there's still enough quality there to be doing better than this, like just as it is right now. And I get it. You can't bring in players now in January and, you're stuck with what you've got and you've got inconsistent lineups every week because player X is out with this or so-and-so suspended for sure. No problem. But like I'm looking at a meaning I thought yesterday was excellent. I think, and we talked about this yesterday, Adam Taggart's been the second best striker in the league. And I don't think it's like, he's been, he's had a better season than Jamie McLaren for sure. Right? Like, I don't think that's <laughs> kind of up for debate. Like you actually think about that for a second. Like if I told you before the season, Adam Taggart's going to have a much better season than Jamie McLaren. You probably got, eh, really? But it's kind of no debate. Bruno Fornaroli, number one, obviously, and then probably Taggart's second, you know? Uh, oh, you got Apostle Samalopoulos as well, of course. Yeah, he's exactly um, what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, seriously, I'm asking, like, if there's anyone I'm missing off the top of my head. But... Yeah, Hiroshi Wasugi. No, no, you can't You can't put through four, four good games and, and enter that conversation. Don't start. Um, <laughs> the, the uh, like, my point is, like, I kind of said this, I flagged this, I think, before I before I left to, to America and Cody was hosting the podcast. I think I said, like, you don't want to waste a good target season. And right now they're wasting a great target season. Like, this mm-hmm. is, this guy, that finish was excellent. He looks sharp. I, I said it in round one. He's sharp. He's fit. He's ready to go. He's, takes, he's going to take his chances. I can see it. I can see it happening. He's been great. And they just, they just, you need to reward a player like that with with wins. And I think we said, Antos, we were talking yesterday and you said, Mm-hmm. Taggart was playing for the Wanderers, let's say, right now, or something like that. Like, he'd probably be in Qatar, you know? Yeah, or for someone that's not been, like, completely... A club that hasn't been completely kept this season. So I can make an argument that if he's playing for nine or ten of the clubs, he's probably in Qatar, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's, like you said, it's a real shame because you'd love to see... Um, Adam Taggart not feeding on scraps, but getting service like a striker like him should be getting at this point in his career. And I think the other thing is, so in each of Perth's, I think his last four games, 
there's been five goals in the game, at least, at least five goals in the game, which is kind of just, you know, when Stadjic comes in, you're thinking, you know, we saw Stadjic with the Philippines, which was a completely different job, of course, but we know that he's probably more of a defensive-minded coach and, and he's kind of more about defensive principles. And all of a sudden, and I remember watching Perth at the start of the season and being like, this is so bland and this is actually hard to watch. Like, I actually don't want to watch them. Like, it's just shocking. I don't even know what they're trying to do. And now it's like, fantastic. They're scoring goals. And the Stadgers are probably thinking to himself, like, why the hell are we now conceding all these goals? Like, can we just can we just have one without having the other? And they just they just can't get the balance right. And if you're a Perth fan, I don't know if you're thinking like this is you should be optimistic because maybe it's actually listen, we've only got to tighten up the off the ball stuff. And I asked this stage, I said, you know, it's probably easier to coat to kind of fix the off ball than it is the on ball. If you're scoring goals, it's harder to score goals than it is to keep them out. I always think anyway, that's that's a personal opinion. And for whatever reason, Perth are Perth are bad, but they're actually better at scoring goals at the moment, which um is just weird, you know, like and and then we've got Weston who are kind of, you know, besides the three goals on Friday, are, are struggling to score goals, um, but then are kind of average defensively. So it's not like both of these usually when you have teams at the bottom of the table, they're both, you know, just struggling in both aspects, right? Um, but Perth are scoring, you know, and even if it is through Sushna, you know, hammering one in from from thirty yards, like goals are goals. You know, you take them. Uh, they've got a good nine, and you know, I know we've got this whole Bazanic situation now, um, where it seems he he has left from 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 what's understood. I think I think if I'm not mistaken, you guys probably saw that. I think Oli Bazanic yeah. put a put something up on his Instagram, which kind of confirmed what Alan Stadich said uh, during the week. Who you'd imagine that would have been another blow during this week, Fallon Stadjic, because that's a guy who he he clearly likes and trusts because he had him at the Mariners and he was a real fulcrum to that Mariners team. And and he brought him across obviously for Perth. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I think Perth I, I I'm gonna you know, I think with with Weston I said I think they could turn it around. Perth I'm less optimistic about, but then I look at the games and I'm thinking like I don't know, man, like it was 3-2, you know, or it was 4-3. Like, can you just hold out? The The big problem for them is they just keep conceding immediately after scoring, which is a sign of a really bad team. Well, and it, that's it, that's the other real worry for, for Stadjic. At, at what point, though, this is just you, you know. They, I mean, you, can't, played, you can't lose every game like 3-2. That's insane. They've they played 12 games and they haven't kept a clean sheet. They haven't, there hasn't been a game where they've only copped one. You know, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. That in 12 games, 12 times you came into a stadium, 12 times you came up against another 11 players and another coach, mm. and 12 times someone scored against you twice or more. That is wild. You don't, you, you can't. Like, it's a miracle they're not bottom. It's a miracle they're 11th and not 12th. Yeah. Like, it, that's a miracle in itself. And again, you're scoring three, four goals, great. No point if someone else is scoring four or five. You know, it's you, you, you cannot function like that as a football team. And the biggest credit to Stadjic is that they're still playing. They still believe in themselves. No, and that, that was the thing, right, is kind of, and the same thing with Weston, but the start of the game against Wellington, like Perth were really up for it. Yeah. You know, you could feel it watching the game. And I don't know if it was kind of like, 
I don't know if it's guys who are sort of, we know the precarious situation and maybe guys just going to be playing every week because they want to make sure they stay in the A-League if, if anything goes wrong with Perth, you know, fingers crossed, of course. But the other thing as well is like, I don't know whether like Stadish's comments during the week or something like inspired them or anything. And maybe it was a motivating factor because yeah, they came out like they had a point to prove, um, got the goal. And then typical Perth fashion, just hand it back. Um, and, you know, obviously, but the other thing about Perth is, like, they've just gone back-to-back games. They've taken it to Melbourne Victory. They've taken it to Wellington. These are two of the top teams. Like, you know, this... So, like, I just... It, it's, a, it's a fundamentally weird team at the moment for me because, you know, like I say, we've... Because we've had, you know, like that Richard Garcia Perth team, right? Off the top of my head. Like, that was just an awful team, right? That was like a... That was almost like a team who, like put them in the MPLWA that season. Like, seriously, you know, that was just bad. Whereas this one seems like it's like, you know, surely you can put a couple wins together, you know? I, and and I know what Antonis is saying, but I'm kind of like, surely just put in like one resolute performance defensively, get yourselves going a little bit, you know? Um, and they got Latchman and Beavers out at the moment, who are usually their centre-back partner uh, pairing. Um, and I know they had, they had Jacob Muir um, yesterday. He's a young guy. And 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 yeah, Swissnyar in the middle. But even then, it's like you know, Swissnyar has been around. He's got a bit of experience. You know, you got Johnny Katrimbus in your background. He's uh, in your backline. Who's who's played at you know? Uh, he's played in Newcastle. He's had a bit of experience. Like, come on, you know. Now it's now it's now it's time to time to um like show up defensively and get a result. To, to, to give credit to Perth, they did keep a clean sheet, I think, round three against uh, Central Coast in that game where Angel Torres got sent off. But I, obviously, yeah, the, Man. Yeah, the the defensive issues have become a real thing. It's a, it's a different world, isn't it? Um, Angel Torres, my guy, is actually a baller now, not getting sent off. And Perth are not keeping clean sheets. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, and- I, think, I think my presence with Angel on Saturday kind of played on his mind a little bit. You know, he was a little bit... He's a little bit shy playing in front of me. You know, obviously I've been showering with praise recently. So yeah. Um, but don't worry, he's gonna have another unreal performance <laughs> soon. So uh, I'm I'm kind of guaranteeing it. Rubber stamp. Okay. Um, let's move on. It's about the Wanderers. Um, because we gotta talk about uh apparently the Wanderers didn't grind out uh their win against Melbourne City, according to according to Marco Rudin, as he as he informed me in the post match press conference. A uh, little little story, I guess, from uh, from your night round. So now, also, so the Wanderers beat City. Um, they dominate the first half, as as Mr. Rudin pointed out. Um, and correctly. correctly, yes, they were very dangerous in transition. I felt that. I tried to explain that to to Mr. Rudin, um, but uh, but uh, apparently, apparently, there's a new concept in football. That if you put ten players behind the ball with twenty five minutes to go, you're not actually grinding out a result. Apparently, that's you getting a result on the front foot. So um, I might, I must have, I must have missed that. Um, so I don't know if uh, I don't know if Mark, Marco Rudin wants to uh, point me in the right direction about uh, where that where that new interpretation of football is. But um, yeah, listen, buddy, if you put 10, 10 players behind the ball with twenty five minutes to go, you're grinding out a result. That's that's kind of football. So um, and. The only reason it got to that is because you didn't take a chance in the first half. So in saying that, what my question was going to be to Marco Rudin probably was not bestly phrased, fair enough. But, uh, you know, the Wanderers 
to their credit, because they did they did sit off and see out the result. So you know, like I'm saying, but that's they do it well, um, and they've got the players for it. And you know, as Rin pointed out, the clean sheet record is immaculate. And um, you know, credit to them because they, yeah, Melbourne City's been on this kind of two game tear recently, and the Wanderers just said, ah, you know, that ain't happening here. Um, so credit to them, they were very solid on uh, on Friday. But uh, just wanted to make a point to anyone listening that if a team does put 10 players behind the football, they're grinding out a result. So uh, just just, just want to make that clear for, and, uh, for everyone. <laughs> and I guess he admitted like they didn't take their chances because it could have been out of City's yeah. hands yeah. coming going into halftime. But yeah, very impressive by the Wanderers. I did question though having Milos Ninkovic lead the press when you are quote-unquote, grinding out the result to end the game. Um, not the biggest presser. He did try his heart out. But speaking, of, speaking, of, speaking of presses, like, I mean, what <clears throat> Rudin was in some kind of fine form on Friday. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's gone for a 19-minute presser. He's gone on some unhinged tangent about young players and, and how we need to you know protect them and all this sort of stuff when I don't think Cody actually asked him that. Um his question actually wasn't about that. It was just about Alex Bottolato and, and him having a good performance. And, and Bruden took that as stop hyping up young players. Um, so, all right. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. We had Antonis asking him about, you know, him being coached by Rilio Vidmar back in the day as well. Just a very, a press <laughs> conference just went in all sort of different directions. And like, I literally go and pick up the recording and the press has gone for 18 and a half minutes. Um, so. I think, but on the, you know, honestly, I think, that's like a performance you expect from the Wanderers. Um, it's how the games play out. But again, Ruden would like him to be more clinical. I do think that Melbourne City look completely harmless for the majority of that game. And that's, I guess, the big talking point. And just that point on Melbourne City, I think they're still protesting that grand final deal because they're the only side that did not score a goal in the night round, men's or women's. Man, they must hate Combank at this point. Um, yeah, it was actually funny. And for yeah. me, sorry, for me, that's a penalty to end the game. I don't know about you, but for me, it looked like a penalty. I, I don't know. I actually, that one, it was really hard. I, I couldn't settle on... I, I was leaning more to a penalty. Yeah, I'd say I was leaning more to a penalty, but I could kind of... I guess I could understand why it wasn't given. I don't think it was like Stonewall must give it, but... Yeah, uh, that's that's one of those weird ones, I guess, with handball. Jack, you were, you were uh, we we yeah. Antonis cut you off again. He always does that. What a dickhead. Anyway, she's Antonis. But uh, no, I, I just want to necessarily put well, maybe opposite of a highlight on Jamie McLaren, as this is the second time this season he's had a performance where the well, I think basically every single touch he's had was a kickoff, and I think this is becoming maybe too much of a prevalent issue now. Is if you're having multiple of these performances a season, you know. Um, look, he's still, you know, one of the top scorers in the league, which I think just is testament to him and what a player he is. However, in these big key games, you know, like, you know, going away, well, technically it was their home performance, finally, uh, home game, funnily enough, but, you know, going to Combank against a very top wonder side, obviously it's not an easy feat. I don't think anyone's necessarily expecting him to bag a hat trick, but to, yeah, like, like all, like it, four touches yeah. all game. I'm pretty sure two of those were kickoffs. Listen, like Jay McLaren, Jay McLaren is not, that type of striker, but you, you can't have that little influence in a game. I don't care. I don't care what type of striker you are. Right now, this it's is also a leader. You know, 
Yeah, no, no, but this isn't all on him, to be fair. And Vidmar pointed out, he's right. Like, they're not really rewarding his runs enough um, and the service isn't there. But this is kind of what happens when you change half of your team. Like, you know, the relationships aren't going to be there. It's going to take time. And you're Melbourne City. You don't have time. So, you know, you want to win now all the time because you're Melbourne City. So, like... They got to find a way to get McLaren going. Maybe Naboo coming back in. Maybe him starting again. Naboo and McLaren can get their link up going again. I don't know. Maybe it's Lecky being out, and maybe McLaren just kind of he needs. I guess he needs his boys back. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they they got to get him going somehow because you know, outside of McLaren, like you know, Leonatel, another stink job. Um, you know, what else is new with that guy at the moment? Like seriously, um, and. <laughs> like you just there's no real reliable source of goals it seems at the moment outside of no one's really contributing on a regular basis it feels like I mean I guess Togay Arslan but like do you really want your 8 slash 10 being the guy who has to wear the burden of goal scoring every week like no so yeah uh, they've they've got to get McLaren going and, and Vidmar that was the second time this season that I've heard him in a post-match press conference talk about the lack of service to Jamie and yeah, either something's going to be either maybe something tactically isn't right there or maybe the players aren't responding to that kind of that instruction or they just need time, whatever it is, something's got to give. Um, because, yeah, at the end of the day, like Melbourne City very much could be going to Combank in a second leg of a semi-final, right, in, in this season, the finals, and maybe they need a goal. And you're playing the staunchest defense in the league and you've got to find a way to reward Jamie McLaren's runs. So, you know, uh, all the city teams in the past have done it. So there's no excuse for this team not to not to be able to find a way, right? So uh, that's that's a big problem for them at the moment. Any other thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, look, it's it, it's uh, obviously this is the way McLaren plays. He's you know the complete definition of a poacher. You know, he's not someone that you know likes to get linked up. But yeah, I I really do think that they could look to change out a bit, you know, get him a little bit more involved because I do actually think he can link up and play that type of game too. Maybe he's not amazing at it, but that's something to at least get him involved in the game because, you know, four touches in a get in a, like, you know, I think over an hour is nuts. That is truly nuts. You know, how can you, yeah, be a striker that essentially does not get any of the ball the whole game and then expected, yeah, to convert on those one chance, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a real issue. We've seen, you know, play week in, week out. Obviously that, that Brisbane Raw game, that was a bit of an exception. He grabbed the hat trick there, but, Brisbane were just all over the place, but you know, recent weeks he just hasn't got involved, you know. And whether, yeah, that is, for example, the supporting cast or himself, I don't know. That's you know, sort of up to interpretation. You know, I think he does have a good supporting cast. Of course, like you said, you know, they're not used to each other. You know, they've only been together for a couple of months now, so it, it's something they really need to work out. Because City, I still think they're a good team. I still still think they'll make finals, and I still think they'll be a good side. But it, it's just that fine, like getting McLaren fit and firing. Being that player, we all know he can be. Um, that that's probably going to be the ultimate switch before them being a good side versus a side that can you know challenge for a title. Naboo also broke the record for coming back from uh, a torn Achilles in the in the in the fastest way in human history. Um, so so congratulations to Naboo. He actually looked all right too. Uh, it wasn't just like he came back and played like ten minutes. He actually kind of played a decent chunk and yeah, look look back to kind of bulldozer Naboo. Um, so. Yeah, see, see how, see what's going to happen now. I mean, this is what I mean, though, about I'll talk about the squad building just whilst we're on this city tangent. Like, you know, you got Naboo coming back in now, and you just got this log jam everywhere again because you got Naboo, you got Natel, you got Yakulis, you know, Lecky, 
you, you will come back at some stage. Like, what the hell, right? Like, how many attackers do you want? Was uh, someone like Mattel sign thinking that Navu will be out for 12 months, though? <laughs> Suddenly he's back after a couple of months and you find yourself in that situation. But I guess with a team that's... I think Mattel sign, I think Mattel sign not realizing that he hasn't been here for fucking three months. Well... Anyway. Mattel signed and like he hasn't been here for three months. So, uh, in Ooh, in yes. in terms of his playing, anyway. That's your battle. Yeah, just just keep an eye on Leonatel's performance next week. Let let's hope let's hope for for my sake that he actually improves. Um, all right. Uh, let's finish off. Let's finish off with some Socceroos talk. Um, which we'll try and do throughout the Asian Cup. Uh, on this podcast for sure. Um, so Socceroos beat India. Um, two nil. We were we watched that, uh, Antonis and I, at the yeah at the Watson's pub. Um, obviously expecting to go to the live site. Um, but you know as we touched on already, there was some issues there. Um, but uh, to be honest, not too many thoughts yet. It's game one. Uh, I think we'll find out more against Syria, and I think really you know with Syria and Uzbekistan drawing as well kind of has opened things up a little bit for Socceroos where if they beat Syria, they're really effectively through already, number one. And also the most difficult game for them was going to be Uzbekistan. And if you have six points after two games, it's going to put a lot less pressure on what would have been the most difficult game. So, you know, it's kind of a nice situation for them. The only thing I think from that India game coming out of it was about some, maybe some team selection stuff. And... To be fair to Graham Arnold, you could probably understand his reasoning. He went with basically the World Cup lineup um, and, you know, fair enough. I mean, didn't make a lot of sense that he didn't consistently play that lineup kind of post-World Cup to the Asian Cup. So, and maybe that was just because he wanted to see whether he wanted to kind of change it at all. But like Cameron Burgess didn't start, for example. Um, and, well, well, we saw Conor Metcalf start. Um, so that would have been you know, one of the major cha- changes. But, you know, we, we kind of saw the, the, the Bacchus-Irvine thing again, which probably wasn't the most ideal pairing for a game against India where you're going to have 70% of the ball and they're going to defend like Warriors and you need a guy that can actually kind of create um, on the ball. And I know Irvine scored, but it's not really his game, right? He's more of the engine room. He's more when Australia play against Japan. That's where you want Jackson Irvine in a game like that. We're going to have less of the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So... The ones I point out, though, Jordy Boss and Riley McGree came on and changed the game. And, I mean, for me, Boss should start over Bayich. Like, I don't I don't think that's really up for... I really don't think I should be up for debate. Like, I, I get it. Bayich, great World Cup. And, you know, he's been okay at City this season and stuff. But the Asian Cup, the great thing about the Asian Cup, I think from an Australian point of view, is it gives... It's a good tournament that you can use to transition with the next kind of cycle, right? So... Like Jordan Boss could have easily started all three of these games. And we'll see, maybe he starts against Syria, you know, but you, you think he's more than capable now to start against these types of opposition in the group stage. Now, if you want to get maybe tricky with it against Japan or something, okay, maybe that's a that's kind of a matchup-based selection. But, you know, I think like India trying to deal with a Jordan Boss, Craig Goodwin left-hand side. Like, come on, right? Like, it's it's chalk and cheese. I don't know if Badge can get forward, but Jordan Boss is... Like, we just saw it. He comes on, he scores, playing as a left-winger, to be fair. But, like, he would have had the freedom to go all day. 
provide that attacking outlet. Him and Goodwin in 2v1s. You know, you've got two guys that are excellent 1v1 players um, that can that can provide a cross, which, you know, if anyone was watching that game, like, holy shit, can, can Australia, like, maybe find another method of trying to break a team down apart from just crossing and spamming, spamming square, I guess, if you play, uh, what is it, PlayStation? Um, so... Yeah, uh, that's that's one thing for me. And then McGree is the other one. And I know Antonis with his essay great propaganda would say that McGree has to start. Um, it's probably more of a fitness thing with him. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe Arnold might think, you know, Metcalf wasn't awful and McGree impacted the game off the bench and maybe he can provide something. Maybe he can kind of give you that 40, 35 minutes off the bench of really high quality as opposed to maybe starting when, if he's still a little bit underdone. This is a guy who only just came back, I guess, to, to football just for Christmas. So, um, yeah, uh, from a foot injury where he was actually out for quite a while. So, you know, a couple of months. So that would be another one. And then if you want to get tricky with it, could you make a case for Bruno Fornaroli to start of a Mitch Duke? I think a lot of people, I know I can see Antonis nodding. I know, to be fair, like, let's not forget, Mitch Duke had a poor game against France in game one of the World Cup, Arnie persisted with him and look what happened. So let's not overreact to one game. I do think Bruno's hold-up play is better than Mishuk's and maybe suits this type of opposition. But we just got to be careful about overreacting to one game with that one. For me, I think like the boss page thing is different. Like this isn't, we got to remember with someone like Jordan Boss, this isn't like the young Jordan Boss who's playing in the A-League. This guy's now like playing in Europe every week and he's matured a lot to the point where it's like, you know, Come on, I think he's ready now. It doesn't matter his age. I think he's ready to just start for the national team. So um, that was three that just watching that game, you could kind of make a case for the selection against Syria. Could he change these three? Um, and then the only other thing for me was, you know, I flagged this right from the start of Arnold's tenure and we have to give this guy massive props for what he did at the World Cup. But it is still true that the circumstances of the games in the World Cup kind of suited what Graham Arnold wants to do and suits Australia being a transition team. Whereas now in Asia, you have to force the issue. And if you want to go back to the 2019 Asian Cup, Australia really struggled in the group stage when they lost to Jordan in the first game and they just couldn't find a way to break down low blocks. And against India, it seemed... Australia just seemed a little bit one-dimensional where it was kind of like, let's just push the ball slowly from side to side. Hope we can create a gap, which isn't which isn't kind of good football. Like you need to move the ball quickly. You need to move the ball with purpose and then you can find your gaps, playing between the lines, playing the pockets, all this sort of stuff. As opposed to, let's just try and get the ball out wide, cross it in and hope for the best with someone like Mick Duke. Like there's got to be an evolution with that. But I'm not going to, like I said, I don't have many strong thoughts yet because... I'm not going to hammer any any of the players or the team about this because at the end of the day, what team really starts a major tournament like a house on fire, right? Like a lot of teams, a lot of teams grow into it. We saw Japan, you know, almost get upset by Vietnam, you know, uh, and just overpower them in the end. But that's the thing. So I know, look, we know there's a lot of Arnie haters out there. They're going to jump on anything that's kind of bad with his tactics and stuff. But at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, like, what team starts a tournament and just like goes out there playing like fluid attacking football straight away. So let's give it time. Maybe come the Uzbekistan game, Australia looking a little bit more comfortable playing against these low blocks. But all I'm going to say is I'm going to flag it because it's something that Australia 
against these Asian opposition have struggled a little bit with breaking down low blocks. And for me, it's like the big factor for them, whether, you know, they can win this tournament or not. That's kind of the only thing I'm really focusing on when I'm looking at these games a little bit. So it's going to be interesting. All right, rant over. Well, what are you guys thinking? Look, for me, these group games that really we should be getting through should be games that you use to add strength to your bow. You know, we already know what kind of team we are. It took us to the World Cup, the round of 16, within a kick of Argentina and take them to extra time. We know what we are. We know how we play. That's fine. No problem. You know, that's our identity. But during those games, when you come against Italy, you know you who India are, how they're going to play, and with Syria who are going to come up. Uzbekistan is a slightly different proposition. You know how they're going to play. Why not change what you do as well? You know, especially with us in the first half, we are really good at set pieces. We were not really good at set pieces at all in that first half. Why not change the way you go about from the beginning? Say, all right, that's how India is going to approach us. That's what they expect. Why not throw a spanner in the works for them? Why do they have to be the ones that, um, I guess, get in our way? Why can't we get in the way of what they want to do? You know, why can't you get someone like a McGree, like you said, I know he's coming back from injury, but why can't you get someone to play within the lines? Why can't you get a striker that can hold up the ball and invite players in and around the box rather than someone you're going to cross to 105 times a game and hope he gets head onto it like three, four times? Well, that, you know, that's so. Yeah. I'd like to see us experiment a little bit. I know we've got an identity that's worked well for us, but it's not. You know, you'd like to be a bit more than that. And for me, you know, when you eventually come up against a Korea or a Japan, it's not the time. You know, you have yeah. to be ready for that. Yeah, what? but that's what I mean. That's what worries me is you say, you know, why can't you get a guy playing between the lines and stuff? And what worries me is that, you know, but we have to wait and see how this plays out is is if this team is comfortable enough playing as these low blocks and and trusting their possession game, right? So... And that's that's what's going to be like I say. That's what's the thing I'm looking at the whole group stage in particular because yeah. Syria probably going to Syria probably going to play a low block. I, I know what you mean Uzbekistan's got a bit more quality. They'll probably look a bit more to you know throw a few numbers forward on counterattacks and stuff. But fundamentally, Australia going to have the ball in in all three of these games. So, and again, like the fact that we're talking about this now, it's not ideal, but it's something you have to build on as you go because we didn't just suddenly arrive in Asia right now. You know, we've been in it for a while. So it's something you actually have to purposely build towards. Um, when we're coming up against, and again, we're going to talk about other qualifiers after this tournament, who are you as a team? Okay, of course you're going to have a mode that you're going to go in against a France, an Argentina, a team of high quality. But you really need to have a mode that you will come up against a team that is clearly inferior to you. How can you go about making, just playing them off the park? Okay, because we are at a point right now that I think we are a lot better than what we are displaying, not on a results level, but on a pure football level. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we are not doing ourselves justice to the quality that we have in mm -hmm. my eyes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's see how those those uh, two games against Syria and Uzbekistan play out. Um, actually, by the time, yeah. By the time we do the next pod, probably, yeah, just a Syria game we played. So I guess we could talk about that uh, again. Jake, uh, what do you think about what I said about uh, some of those selections? Because obviously, you know, 
Geordie, Geordie boss is kind of your boy, obviously, obviously there in Melbourne. So, uh, but, but, but as is Bayich is too, it's kind of, it's kind of a conflicting one for Melbourne city fans. Like they're kind of looking at it. Like, do I root for, you know, the guy that we kind of developed or do I root for my current guy? Well, I've sort of been thinking, is there a way you can get somehow get both in as it's, it's a bit of an interesting sort of situation. Oh no. As... Oh no. You're not suggesting Craig Goodman going to the bench. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to bring up a lot of things. Oh my God. Antonis is like going to, Antonis is somehow going to launch himself into Victoria right now. <laughs> Thankfully the way Graham Arnold has us playing Craig's essential. There's no chance. But uh, look, so I, I think, okay. So as is beach, ultimately the, the way that Australia were playing was sort of with inverted fullbacks with Craig Goodwin and Martin Boyle sort of hang, hugging the puck, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. Aziz Beach obviously was left back. However, he was you know ultimately playing as a defensive mid at times. Which look, I think Jordan Boss can adapt to this role. I think he's shown the ability Ooh, you know, as a, a left-footed left back. He can cut inside and use his right foot. However, this is sort of Aziz Beach's bread and butter. You know, I think he suits that role really, really well. So I get initially in the early stages, you know, just because we you know, you know we want to perform as best we can and get out of the group stage. You know, use what you know. However, I think it's an ultimate. It should be a goal for Arnie to find a role for Jordan Boss because Jordan Boss simply, I think, has easily the, you know, one of the best potentials in the whole squad. He's an unbelievable player. So, so for that left back role, maybe initially it's sort of easing him into that. As for me, at the moment, as his beige probably suits that role better right now. But then, do you? Because then, you know, obviously he came on at left wing played well but again are you dropping craig Wood? you know he's arguably our best player in my opinion so you know do you drop him? So i'm 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 scrutinizing craig goodman's performance against syria and just 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 making sure we're all good there no no i'm kidding yeah i'm well, just i'm just saying i'm just saying that because it, 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 it. it will be interesting because because obviously craig is also very reliant on his crossing and when that doesn't you know work out you know, is he maybe as effective as Jordan Boss is someone that can take it to you 1v1, dribble at you? Obviously, Craig, when that's not really his game anymore. I do think, um, I do sorry. think, I do think, like, and this is probably like one of the arguments with like, oh, why don't you take Nesta sort of thing? Like, I think some of these Asian teams, like the Europeans may be different, but like against India, for example, like in all seriousness, because I saw someone say this and I agree, like if you put Nesta in that game, just an example. I know, I know, I, I know. There's all these other things. Like he's 17. It's the Asian Cup. Is he really going to be able to do it? Sort of thing. But like, just none of those defenders would be able to keep up with him. Like, if we just, from a physical standpoint, right? So that's my argument. Sort of with something like Geordie Boss is like it's not just it's not just the technical class, but like it's the pace, the power. You know, with someone like Geordie Boss too. So it's that too. Like sometimes with Australia, like let's not underrate like some of the athletes that we also have too that we can kind of throw at certain teams, right? Um, so, and that's kind of one of the cases I was thinking like with Fornaroli, who, by the way, like is really fun to root for when, when he actually is on your team. Um, so, you know, like that kind of Uruguayan still, like, it's obviously still part of him. Like I know he's playing for Australia, but he's, he's always going to have that South American mentality a little bit. So you kind of love rooting for it. Um, and also, but like with Fornaroli, you know, I think there was like, he came on. And he kind of got dragged down to the ground a little bit, but it wasn't really a foul. And you can see him getting in the ref's ear and stuff. And just that kind of passion and that personality is something which, like, you know, we see when the Asian teams come up against us all the time, particularly when they play in Australia, in the ref's ears all the time. Like, 
just being pests on the ground for half the game, right? All this sort of stuff. And sometimes it's like, you know what? It's kind of what Antonis is saying. Like, let's fight fire with fire a little bit. Chuck a four and a roll in there and like literally just kicking the center backs, like probably at some point, like being a pest, backing into them. He's hold up plays infuriating the hell out of them. Like sometimes it's just a little bit of a different uh, energy that you can throw into the right. into the game. But forgive him as a character, but just as a player that imagine um if you're preparing for Graham Arnold Sopperis, you look at a couple of things. You look at the set pieces and you look at how they play out wide and how they try to take advantage of that. What if you completely just split the script on them and say, We're not gonna do that today, actually. We are going to do something you have not prepared for. You it's know hard to do though, like mid tournament. Uh, it, it, it's only what, what would that be? What would that look like? I guess is what is what no, I'm it's, asking. Uh, it's only hard to do because it's something you've kind of come up on with on the spot. It's not something you've consciously worked towards, you know. And that's my criticism that through as you go through time. And okay, right now for me, we've got probably the best team we've had since that team that took us to the World Cup, to the 2006 World Cup. You know, in my eyes. Whoa, 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 whoa. In what? my eyes, absolutely. No, 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 no. The 2010 team was way better than this team. What are you talking about? In my in my eyes, this team's got the potential to be that and more. In my eyes. Oh, potential, potential. Okay, but we were talking yeah. about current ability. Yeah, no, no. but you've got to work towards your potential. Yeah, no, no, I know, but I'm... Yeah, but we're not doing anything. Yeah, that, that might be That might be like 2026. I'm, I'm talking about right now. What? But my, my point is we have not been doing that at all. You know, this this is an opportunity to do that. You know, why should you go and play against India the same way you approach, say, a big European nation? That's why should we why, not? Why should we? Why should why should we? Why do say, we rather? Why do we approach it differently? Well, no, why do we approach it the same way? No, we're not approaching it the same way. It's just that no, no, it's not. It's not about not approaching it the same way. It's about that Australia aren't as comfortable with the ball as they are without it. Yeah, so, but why is that? Why is that? Well, but this is what I'm saying to you is the answers are going to reveal themselves and I'm worried it's because, which is something I think we all know, which is Graham Arnold is not the best coach when it comes to t- coaching a team to break down a low block. He just didn't. Well, that's my point though. I, I, I feel like we've got the personnel that can do that. You well, know, let's the- see. That, that's that's, that's <laughs> but, ultimately what we keep searching if, if, if you're being held by your leash... And you're not allowed to do that. We're not going to find out. We're looking for an answer to a question that's never asked. What you do you mean the question's mean? never asked? Uh, well, well, the question's being asked all the time. Teams are going to sit yeah, in. But, but not from the players that can actually are capable of doing it. Do you think the current midfield situation is going to... Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's coming back to selection, of course, yeah. Yeah, so, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, why not take a risk now? Yeah, Why I not? agree. But, but Jackson Jackson Irvine's not going to be like he's not going to come out of the team. Like he's going to play. He's going to play all the games, right? Like I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's right or wrong. He he's a leader, but it is true that it's like Australia kind of can be better served changing their team a little bit game to game based on the opponent that they play. And he's probably not going to do that because he wants yeah, to have well, a settled eleven. So I don't mind that. And to have like your starting eleven to say, that's the one we're going to go with in our big games and stuff like that. But for me, it's important to add strings to your boat. And I don't see that. Yeah but, hey, yeah, but hang on. But he could argue that he could also argue that 
Jordan Boss and Riley McGree were the strings to my bow against the NDR, brought them on and they changed the game. Yeah, but for me, is why should the game have to be changed when it could be over? Well, because I guess his starting 11 didn't have the... Well, we didn't have it's, the... uh, we're getting to real... No, no, no. I think, I think what we're circling around here is, okay, well, you've got to keep Irvine in there, but does Bacchus really have to play in a game like that? No, probably not. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, exactly. I mean, I guess... But again, like I, like I said before, of course I have concerns about this, but I don't think we should after one game where... No, you know, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is stuff I could have predicted coming into the tournament. Like, yeah, I was sure. not going to talk about it. But, but like I said, what, what, yeah. but it's not like, you know, what, Saudi Arabia, they haven't played yet, right? Just off the top of my head. I don't think they've... I think I think Iran won 4-1. Let me get the... Uh, me the results hey, of the game, just to remind myself. Yeah, like, like Iran won four one. Okay, best, like yeah. Japan. Japan had a massive scare. You know, uh, Saudi Arabia playing Oman. Like I don't. Maybe Saudis thrash Oman, but I don't expect them to like go in there and thrash them. Like it's 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 tournament football. It's gonna be hard. South Korea playing Bahrain. South Korea might have teething issues against Bahrain. Like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And you can see Nafcon as well. I don't know if you've seen the results of Nafcon no, to begin but, with, but every single one of them is a shock. Yeah yeah. So. Yeah. So that's fine. No problems. And again, I'm very happy we beat India. Fantastic. And even better that the other result went that way. Yeah. But even more of a reason to, you know, flip the script a little bit in the second game in Mars. But anyways, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Everyone's yeah. got their own view on it. But again, our coach has served us well in the last year and he gets a benefit of the doubt. But again, questions will be asked because we live in the democracy and we've got freedom of speech and we love that. Well, yeah, it's everyone sees it differently, but I just feel like against the Indias and the Syrias of the world, we can, I guess, be a bit more vulnerable in the way we approach games, you know, that you don't have to go about in that rigid way that you yeah, that has yeah. served you well, but is it really required against a side that you could realistically play off the park? Yeah, yeah. See how that goes. Uh, on here, it's freedom of speech. If you can back up your opinion, uh, it's like a it's like a caveat. Um, yeah, but uh, no, no, seriously, it's it's obviously freedom of speech. Um, all right, that'll do it for for another episode of the front page football podcast. Uh, yeah, make sure you throw make sure you are following us on social media. I haven't done the outro in a while, see, so I'm a little bit rusty, obviously. Um, yeah, so follow us on all our social medias. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually got to the point where I don't have to say all the channels anymore. Like, if you're listening to the pod every week, you probably know, uh, or just look up front page football on whatever social media service that you're on, and we're probably on there. So, uh, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, you know, if you like the format today, a little bit more of a casual chat, we're probably going to keep this going forward. And um, any things that you want us to talk about, as always, let us know. Uh, any segments, we might start doing some segments, maybe a bit more uh if some i can think of uh in uh, in some future episodes so yeah but alex uh alex happening socceroos are happening and uh and we're going to be talking about those two on this feed uh for for the next kind of month hopefully with the socceroos you know making an asian cup final yes hopefully um let's uh let's, let's not, uh, yeah yeah touch wood on that one so um antonis jake anything to add before we go go socceroos <laughs> Long live Unite Round. Say that again? Long live Unite Round. Long live Unite Round, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Long live Unite Round, which me and Antonis sometimes joked was Divide Round uh, at times. 
Unite the divide. Hashtag marketing slogan. Unite the divide. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. We, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the next one. And, uh, yeah, you can listen to us, uh, listen to us then.